Uh, this morning, I just want to tell you, we're going to continue in the Gospel of Mark, and I hope you've enjoyed this series. Um, throughout the Gospels, there are specific lessons uh, in every Gospel that were the paramount to that, that Gospel. Like in the Gospel of Matthew, you have five discourses or five sermons that are the thrust of the entire book that really lead to kingship for Matthew. That's the theme. Uh, you remember the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5 through 7. We find that there, the first and most important sermon of those five discourses. In Mark, we have two. Also a book about kingship, but there's two discourses or two sermons that really drive the point. In fact, Jesus says it today in Mark 4, the first of those two sermons. We'll look at 20 verses, and he says, if you don't get this, you're never going to get it. If you don't get this, if you cannot receive this right here, you're going to miss the entire thing. And so he sets the course for this being incredibly important. And what we've learned so far through the Gospel of Mark is that Jesus has this unbelievable uh, authority uh, with his message and with his method. It's being received by masses, his method, but the message is not so much so. Some, but not all. So Jesus takes the time when he speaks to tens of thousands right here in this passage that we're about to open. He says a word. He says, listen. And in the text, it has an exclamation point after it, and he'll explain even further, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. What Jesus is saying is this is incredibly important. You cannot miss this. Whenever you see an exclamation point or you hear Jesus say something twice, that's meant to be with emphasis. He's going to teach it in parable or in the Greek parabole, which means para means to come alongside. If you've ever heard the Greek word for the Holy Spirit, it's parakleo or paraklete. You've heard this before? Para means to come alongside. And so parabole is an illustration that comes alongside, like imagine two roads heading in the same direction. The road is uh, one truth, and the parable is laid down right next to it to move alongside it to make it more palatable or acceptable in understanding. You with me? Understand it. Okay. So parable is what he uses to teach. He says, listen. Now, this, this actually takes me back a little bit personally in, one of two, in two ways. First, my, my most influential pastor at the start of my ministry, he pastored a, a mega church of 7,000 on the weekends, okay? This was my church. And the reason I went there was because of the teaching of the pastor. I found life there. I found a lot of community there. But the teaching was what what drew me in. And he was a big Texan, like a huge, massive man, kind of like, you know, Andy. And, uh, and he was big and tall and a little intimidating. But here's what he would do. It was, it was brilliant. He, he would actually use this word, listen. He would draw us in by this. 7,000 people in the, in the seats, he would go, now listen, class. And we went to seven. You know what I'm saying? You know what I'm saying? Like he would go, now listen, class. Because he would want it to be, he would, just like Jesus, this is incredibly important. And he would get intimate in a moment, and all of a sudden, it, he was just talking to me. You know what I'm saying? And I think that's important to note, because too often, we have gone through the religious rigor. Maybe you were, like my wife, immersed in religious culture your entirety. My wife was a, a staff kid. My wife had been through Quiz Bowl. She had been on mission trips. She had memorized text. And here's the thing. Her immersion into religious culture and religious life as a church leader and behind the scenes early on, 
Maybe you, like her, were born in the church, have been around this message for a long time. It took a, some hardship and some teachability to open her ears, and she wasn't actually able to listen to the message behind all that religious training till she was well into her 30s. And the reason today is incredibly important for me is this. This passage that Jesus is about to teach is the passage that led to my own wife's salvation. And it came after 30. So for those of us who have been raised around this, sometimes, sometimes that religious culture and training can get in the way of the message that Jesus is trying to say. It does so for one of the groups he's going to unpack here. We need to make sure we're not found in one of these three groups that make it really difficult, really difficult to receive what Jesus is actually trying to say. We need to this morning listen. And we need to listen well because Jesus has the people talking. He, at this point in his ministry, it's evident. He has tens upon tens of thousands gathering every time he walks into a city. He can no longer fit in a building. He can no longer fit in a home. He's always teaching either on an ocean side or a lakeside or a mountainside. He's out in the open because the crowds are too massive to fit anywhere. His message and method are different, unlike anything the people have encountered to this point. Jesus was so counter to culture in his day that the shockwaves that he sent through his culture are still affecting us. And here's the thing. If Jesus doesn't return in your lifetime or my lifetime, I promise you the ripple effect that he left just by his life has ripped the fabric of time so much so that it's going to well outlive us. He changed everything. Think about that. Think about what it would be like if we tried to receive Jesus today in our culture, in a culture where everyone has right to be skeptical. Your entire life is on a phone available to the entire world. Hello? In a, in a day when we have to hire companies just to protect our identity and not have our personal information, our personal things sold on the dark web... We're living in a deceitful day. Hello? Amen? We all agree to that? Okay, so it's a day where we have created skepticism. It would be weird in our day to find a man walking down the streets, specifically poor streets, walking with people, finding those who, who cannot walk and then touch them and make them walk. Giving them hearing when they cannot hear. Giving them sight when they cannot see. People that we might pass by because we're so consumed with our life and our own day-to-day, we would miss those who need it most. He comes alongside and just out of the goodness of his heart decides to be kind and good just because he wants to do good, helps someone. He just wants to help because he loves them. It's, that method is leading to the receptivity of his message, which was... I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except by me. So in our day, do you think that Jesus would be popular? Do we think that Jesus would be well-received? I think if he started doing some of the miraculous, some of the magic tricks, we might see tens upon tens of thousands showing up by a seashore to watch him do it, just like they did. He was wildly popular in their day. Tens upon tens of thousands wanted to see what he would do next. But just out of the goodness of his heart, 
We are a skeptical society. They were a skeptical society. They were a people that had been taught the religious elite who do not receive this message. In fact, they say you're of Satan. They know more way, more, way more than we do. Intellectually, they have a prowess that exceeds our own. They are it in our society, and they reject you. They say, what good can come from Nazareth? Why would a carpenter and the son of the meek choosing disciples who are the least of these, some of them the scourge of our society, be someone worth listening to? Does that make sense to you? Would you struggle just like they would struggle to receive that message when your religious leaders are going, this is blasphemy? It's coming from the most unlikely of places and the most unlikely of persons. It would, we, we just before we banish all of the Pharisees and Sadducees and we, we banished all those who didn't receive his message, which was vast, let us remember how difficult it would be for us to receive it ourselves. So this morning, we must listen. Okay. Jesus, by the end of his life, while he had tens of thousands showing up to watch the miracles, by the end of his life, was left with few. And in fact, you're going to see him today in this passage not only give parable, he's going to give commentary on the parable. He's actually going to explain it. And so it doesn't need a ton of commentary outside of it. We're just going to use Jesus' words to, to explain Jesus' words. Is that okay? But I think that you should understand that Post the cross, see, tens of thousands weren't evident as supporters of Jesus there. They were the ones yelling, crucify him. At the cross, post the cross, comes the ascension and resurrection and the ascension to go back to the Father. Between the ascension and the first New Testament sermon given by Peter to birth the New Testament church, globally, it is estimated there were about 620 followers of Jesus left on the planet. 620 that had had their lives dramatically changed by Jesus and they were faithful and they remained and they abided in him. They were of the least of these for the most part. People who could not trust in their own gifts, talents, or righteousness. Jesus for them was a completely new chance, a second chance, a clean slate. Someone who looked at them and said, you're valuable. When everything else in life told them they were not valuable, these people would remain. They would suffer deep persecution. Some of them would pay with their lives and be martyred for the sake of the gospel. Of course, at the message of Peter, 3,000 men will be baptized, not including women and children, and the birth of the church. But let us understand, it began with less than 700 people. When tens upon tens upon thousands showed up to hear him teach by the mountainside or by the seashore. These people were going to endure hardship and give their lives because they were free. They were willing to do it because they knew they were new. They knew they were his, and that's all that mattered. Uh, Tim Keller says it like this, Any person who only sticks with Christianity as long as things are going his or her way is a stranger to the cross. I've entitled today's message, The Few and the True. 
I think it's important. I kind of liked that title given Memorial Day weekend. How many of you remember that old saying by the Marines? The, the few, the, say it, the proud, the Marines, right? Doesn't it sound strong? Like the few, the proud, the Marines, right? Well, we're not talking about Marines, but we are talking about a different kind of army today. We're talking about the few and the truth. We're talking about the, the minority. And today their text is found in Mark 4, and we're going to read verses 1 through 20. I'm just going to read it through it. I want you to listen well. There's a lot of text here. I'll do the best I can to unpack it rather quickly. It says this. And again, Jesus began to teach beside the lake. The crowd that gathered around him was so large that he got into a boat and sat in it on the lake, while all the people sat along the shore at the water's edge. He taught them many things by parables. And in his teaching said, listen. A farmer went out to sow his seed As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path, and the birds came up and ate it. Some fell on the rocky places where it did not have much soil. It sprang up quickly because the soil was shallow. But when the sun came, the plants were scorched, and they were withered because they had no root. Other seed fell among the thorns which grew up and choked the plants, so they did not bear grain. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and grew and produced a crop, some multiplying 30, some 60, and some 100 times. Jesus then said, Whoever has ears to hear, let him hear or listen. When he was alone with the 12 and the others around him asked him about the parables, he told them, The secret of the kingdom of God has been given to you, but to those on outside, everything is said in parables so that they may never, they may be ever seeing but never perceiving. Ever hearing but never understanding. Otherwise, they might turn and be forgiven. Then Jesus said to them, Don't you understand this parable? How then will you understand any parable? The farmer sows the word. Some people are like seed along the path where the word is sown. As soon as they hear it, Satan comes and takes away the word from those where it was sown. Others see seed Uh, Others, like seeds sown on rocky places, hear the word and at once receive it with joy. But since they have no root, they're shallow. They last only a short time. When trouble or persecution comes because of the word, they quickly fall away. Still others, like seeds sown among thorns, hear the word. But the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. Others, like the seed sown on good soil, hear the word, accept it, produce a crop, some 30, some 60, some 100 times what was sown. Now, again, by the time Jesus is giving away this message, he says, listen to the tens upon tens of thousands. But the explanation, he says, do you not understand this parable yourself? If you don't understand this, you'll never get any of this. By the time he gives that away, it's the 12 and a few more. The tens upon tens have left. They've gone home. This is getting into the evening, and it is just him and the few faithful, the few and the true. Those people who understood that the sower was Jesus and any minister, any disciple who trusted the truth of the gospel and was willing to cast it away to others, you and I. The seed was the gospel itself, the life-changing truth that Jesus came as a sacrifice and resurrection unto human freedom from our sinful depravity. They knew they were depraved. 
but the people. And this is, this is often referenced as different names, the parable of the sower, the parable of the seed. Let me explain. It is nothing more than the parable of the soils. That's the only appropriate title for this. No matter how you've heard it taught before, let me clear that up. Because this message is not necessarily about the message that's unchanging. This is not about the sower that can change hands, but still same goal. This is about the soils. This is the parable of the soils and how we receive said message. And the soils represent the people of this world. And if you noticed, only one in four was considered good. Meaning three out of four are going to reject the seed that is cast in their direction. Why? Well, the deceptive world around us is incredibly intoxicating and so is the desire to worship myself. Hello, can I say that? So, three of these are not going to be teachable. The first of all three fit into this category. Actually, they're all unteachable. The first one says hard soil leads to stolen seed. This is your Pharisees. These are your religious leaders who are looking at the whole scenario and go, there's no way this could be the Messiah. There's no way this could be the promised one of Israel. There's no way. He doesn't fit the message, doesn't fit the package. It's not what we expected, so there's no way that it could be right. How many of you have learned that Jesus may not do it the way you thought in advance, and it's okay that he didn't check with you first? How many of you have learned that he's God and he's Lord and he's allowed to do that? He was the one and the only one and the only way. You see, this seed is cast and it never, pl- it never breaks the plane of the ground. You might as well bounce it on the road. It's cast out and it falls along the road and it says the birds come in and immediately take it up. They immediately eat it. It's, it the birds represent Satan. Satan immediately comes in and takes it away. Look, this stage is great. I love it, but I'm not trying to grow corn on it. I throw seed, what's it going to do? Bounce. And it's available to be picked up by whomever comes by immediately. This is what he's saying. Their hearts are so hard. They look at the situation and go, we already know what to expect. We already know this. This isn't for us. This is for someone else. We are completely unteachable. Our heart is not pliable. It's not palatable. The message, we just reject it. And so they, like in Romans 8 are a people that sound like this. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires. But those who live in accordance with the Spirit have their minds set on what the Spirit desires. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. It does not submit to God's law, nor can it do so. Those who are in the realm of the flesh cannot please God. Here's the thing. They thought they were pleasing God, but it was impossible. Because they, like the two next kinds of soil or people that we'll unpack, were just unwilling to receive it. The rocky soil, sorry, the hard soil leads to stolen seed. All of these three are unteachable. The second, rocky soil, leads to shallow seed. How many of you live in Nashville? That was a really, that wasn't a trick question. That was a really weak response. We are currently in Nashville. How many of you have ever tried to garden in Nashville? 
How many, like my son and I were out the other day trying to put a tree in and we were like, click, bam, like clank, clank, clank. He, Cannon looks at me and goes, what is it? I was like, I think it's Jimmy Hoffa. (laughs) Not sure. How many of you understand that our, the majority of our city is built on limestone? We do not have the most fertile of soil in which we can plant and grow. It doesn't go far before you hit something or hard clay. Hello? All, all Jesus is saying here is this. When you come up against rocky soil that leads to a shallow bit of earth, Sure, they may be following. They want to see the magic tricks. They all want to see it coming. And they may, may be open to it. But the problem is, weeds require a short root base to look as if they're producing a great fruit. Plants and flowers require room to grow. Weeds do not. But when life happens, because he said all that's going to take place in your life is the heat is going to get turned up. John 15, 18 and 19 says it like this. That your life, if the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world as if you love it, uh, it would love you as its own as it is. You do not belong to the world, but I've chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. The only thing that we've been promised as Christians who align ourselves with Jesus is persecution. It's going to get turned up. The heat's going to get turned up. That was evident in their day. It's evident in ours. So when the sun comes up, it scorches it, and whatever was there withers and dies. Because the roots don't exist. There is no root. It's incredibly shallow. Too many people want to falsely teach this text as if this is an aim. And I've heard it as an aim at uh, those who can lose their salvation. That is falsely taught. Let me be clear. In fact, I would, not, I would say that this text along with over 20 other passages in Scripture would say the opposite. Hello? Teach that once redemption takes place... If you were serious about your repentance, Jesus was very, it can't be very serious if it's only got this much soil to grow into. It may look the part, maybe following the crowd, but when life comes, they scatter and they're gone. Hence, tens upon thousands were following, but at the cross, vacant. We do not want to be aligned with him. Hello? Even one who would become incredibly faithful in birth of New Testament church, Denied him three times. Hello? So, Peter was not like this. But it does not affirm, let me be clear, that someone can lose their salvation. It is impossible to lose what you did not have. Rocky soil leads to shallow seed for those of us who live in Nashville. Isaiah 48.10 says this, that we are assured by God his development process in our lives will involve trial. See, I have refined you, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. We are going to have the heat turned up just so that we can be refined and perfected. James talks about this process in the first chapter of his, of his book. He says that we will go through trial and we must consider it joy because we will be perfected. Thorny soil means strangled seed. If you're a farmer, 
One of the things you want to first do is till your ground. You want to get all the weeds and all the stuff that could choke your seed out out of the ground and make it fertile. I'm not going to go cast seed in a bunch of bushes. Hello? Why would I go cast seed in a bunch of bushes, specifically thorn bushes, where that seed has no ability to get adequate light or adequate water? The things around it will choke it out. And what Jesus is saying here, he's not saying, too often people misconstrue this. It's not the enemy that chokes it out. Jesus even explains it. This is not Satan that comes and chokes it out. It is the desires of the world reach up and strangle out the hope that God has cast in his gospel. Hello? Whether by stress or by success, whether it be the desire for success, fame, riches. The gospel requires self-denial. And so what was cast may go like bury its head for a moment, but it has no ability. The things of life will come and choke it out. Our own desires, our own evil desires within us will choke it out because we desire to either be A, the man. We don't understand why no one worships us because we're awesome. Or the strains of life, the opposite will be true. The difficulty of the day-to-day can cause others to search for natural answers as opposed to turning to the supernatural one. You know what I'm talking about? The strains and stresses of life. You guys live here, right? We, we all agreed a few minutes ago, like, it's a deceptive world. Hello? Hard to trust, folks. Yeah. Okay. People in this category choose to depend on their own strength their own knowledge, their own giftness rather than God, their own righteousness. And when trials or success come, it reveals where their hope actually lies and where it actually does not. Our hope can be found in nothing but Him. The chokes, the cares of this world will choke out the seed that God intended for good. Which leads us to the last point. Submissive soil leads to deep Seeded roots. Jesus called this the good soil. In James 1, verses 2 through 4, I want to bring him up for a second. This is a passage we look at a lot in the, in the church, but it's really hard to ingest, right? Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work. So that you may be mature, complete, not lacking anything. Let me, how many of you have been through trial and today you're much older and wiser because of it than you were 10 years ago, 20 years ago? Okay, all right. So how many would say, I'm grateful for that trial? Grateful for it. Okay, so let me go back to the farming principle here. Okay, do you know what makes soil fertile? After it's been tilled, we get all the weeds and the thorns out and all that stuff. What will really help make it fertile? Fertilizer. Fertilizer, which is manure, which is unpleasant. You know, it's not, it's not pleasant, but it has this innate ability intentionally designed by God to come in and break down those places that are hard and unpliable, make it palatable so that the seed can go deep and take root. Our trials in life are a little unpleasant like the manure. We don't like going through them, but they're doing something. 
They're intended for something. It is so that we become teachable. You see, you can grow up in a religious culture, immersed in it, and never face a trial in life until you hit a trial in life and you go, God, where are you in all of this? God goes, wait a second. All, all your life, I've been trying to get your attention. I've been saying, listen, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. But you don't. You just keep trucking along, memorizing verses and showing up in your Bible study. But what I need you to know is you can't hide behind content any longer. I'm here to shape your life. And so I'm going to throw some things into your I'm going to allow some things in your life that are going to break up the hardness. Break up the routine and cause you to turn and look at me so the soil in your life gets good and the seed can go in and take root. I'm going to make you teachable by the trials that are coming in your life. These are the people just like the few that Jesus is teaching to right here. Tens of thousands are gone. He's looking at the least qualified. He's looking at Judas right now. Hello? He's looking at the scourge of society, the known thief, the tax killer, Levite, these guys who know in this smaller circle that they had no right to be here, but they've been gifted with an opportunity to be here, a second chance. And they're listening. They're taking it in. Why? Because they've been through some stuff. Have you been through some stuff? Has the seed of the gospel come into your life so much so because of the trials you've been through, you know you can't count on your own giftedness, your own righteousness. You're just not that good. The scripture says your, your righteousness is filthy rags. Can't be trusted. But rather, you can trust what he has done. And you allowing yourself to go through the manure of life a little bit will help you to receive that truth even more so. It makes us teachable. Romans 8 verses... Uh, Sorry, we just bring it up, Tammy, that second part. You, however, are not in the realm of the flesh, but are in the realm of the Spirit. And if indeed the Spirit of God lives in you, if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, they do not belong to Christ. But if Christ is in you, then even through your body, though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness, not yours, His. We get to live because of what He did. We get to be pulled towards life by the Spirit, the few and the true. So Jesus says, listen, we can be found amongst the many today, and we can be found amongst the majority, or we can be found amongst the few. We can view ourselves like the confident, or we can accept that we are depraved. Our lives begin to look like His when and only when you and I are teachable. The very disciples found in this small circle, we're just as teachable. Who will we look like? The tens of thousands or maybe, maybe the 620. So as the band comes back, here's what I want to ask you today. Are you the few and the true? Are you, in fact, teachable? Here's the thing. Some of us here need to receive Jesus, but some of us here, we've been walking with Jesus for a while. Or at least we've believed that we have. And here's the thing. If you've been walking with Jesus for a while and you face some of the trials that I've talked about, you also know that you've come out on this side of the fire knowing there's no way you could have gone through it without him. And you also know there's another fire coming because you've yet to be perfected. How are you going to make it through this next fire, which will be bigger and hotter than the last, without Jesus? 
And are you prepared to go through that? Is your heart ready? When it's unexpected. See, this is our time to be able to respond to this seed that's been cast to the word. We can come to the table and we can say, God, thank you so much that you gave your body and you shed your blood that I could have life and I could walk through life with you. If my body be broken and if my blood be spilled, so be it because I have life because of you. You gave yours so I didn't have to. Hello? Father, will you come this morning? And whether it be at this altar, you find your church repenting in our seats or at your table, or coming alongside a prayer partner, God, I pray that you'd find a people of good soil, palatable, and God, teachable, and ready to respond however you move on our hearts to right now. Seek us as if there's no one else in the room. Make this very intimate and individual, and may my response, may my friend's responses be precisely what you want. In Jesus' name, amen.